James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Would you please receive our brother in the Lord, Brother Dan Ken? Can you hear me? Okay, because I have a soft voice. So I need a very good microphone. And I'm glad that CBC has one. Well, good morning. And I'm so glad to be up here. And uh, I've never been up here, so this is how it feels like. Uh, I'm glad to be here to share the Word of God today. And I'm very excited. Uh, let me pray first. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to have a worship at this place. And also thank you ahead of time for the teaching you will be giving to us through Holy Spirit, Father. You called us to be godly. You called us to be holy. You called us to become like your son, Jesus. So, Father, through the world, the world will be learning, help us to become one, Father. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay. Christina, can I have my slide? Okay. Let me just test. Okay, it's working. Okay, so today's title that I put is a spiritually profitable Christian. What does that mean? Well, we're going to find out. You know what spiritual means, but what does profitable means? And also, we're going to talk about how to face trial. Trial is also called problems, suffering. Uh, it might also called maybe endurance. Anyway, we're going to learn all those things in 30 minutes from the teaching from the book of James. Last week, uh, David Silk gave us such an excellent message to us, uh, emphasizing the importance of going back to basic, going back to Bible. He showed us some surprising statistic that he made on the PowerPoint and emphasized why so many Christians in the United States 
and actually around the world, don't spend a lot of time reading Bible. It was very surprising. He also showed us some of the very compelling scriptures from Bibles, Old Testament, New Testament, and showed us why it's so important to go back to the Bible, why God wants us to study the Bible. And I thank your message, David. Well, in connection, a conjunction with that message, today I'd like to share one more verse, and it's come from Hosea. Uh, I just want to make sure it's the same slide. Uh, yes, I did pronounce it Hosea. I didn't say Hosea. But this is another name. This comes from Old Testament, verse four, uh, chapter, chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What does that mean? Well, let me just paraphrase it. Christians are being destroyed and doomed because they do not study the word of God. My word, the Bible. When I read this verse first time, I said, wow. I was so shocked. But I only read half. This is the first section of the verse 6. Let's go to this, the other half, which is more shocking. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. What does that mean? Since you, Christians, have forgotten the Bible, I will also choose to forget about your sons and daughters. I know some of you are single, some of you are parents, but it should be equally shocking. Because by the time when I read this verse, I was a young Christian, and I already had two kids. And I said, I should go back to the Bible. Just for the sake of my kid. Well, let alone many other things in the Bible. So, I just shared this with you, how important it is for us to go back to the Bible. And today, whole message we're going to share is themed around going back to the Bible, even though I use the word profitable, and also we're going to talk about how to face problems or trials, is all focused on going back to the Bible, getting to know our Lord. Okay. Some of you might be familiar with this number, 7,487. I did not make a mistake with eight. I did not intend to put... 747, which is the number for the jumbo jet. No, no, no. This is actually 7,487. I don't expect you to memorize this, like me, but remember, it is over 7,000. What is this? Well, you'll be happy to find out what this is. It's a number of promises God has made to us, and it's all recorded here. I was holding the Bible the other way. In the Old Testament, New Testament, there are over 7,487 promises. And of course, one of them is the, something you are very familiar with, John 3.16. Whoever believes my son, Jesus, died on the cross for your sin, then you'll have eternal life. There's one of 7,487 promises. So, that promise taken away, there are still 7,486 promises. Don't be overwhelmed. Just study 
little by little. So today we're going to learn a few more promises, and it comes from the book of James, and that's what we're going to do. I don't think that our Heavenly Father wants you to memorize every one of them, uh, if it's possible, even if it's possible. Okay, we know the Old Testament and New Testament. What does testament mean? In legal term, it's called the covenant, or in lay term, it's called the promises. So basically, this is actually the old promises and new promises. So this is actually the book of the promises. Uh, probably some of you in, in Korean, you know, gu yak, yak means yakso, which is promise. Shin yak, yak means yakso. Sorry, I spoke Korean. Anyway, so let's go to the next. We're going we're gonna to start to learn something from James. So, so what did I mean by the spiritually profitable Christian? Well, the profitable, you know what it means. When you have a business, you have to make a profit. Janice, Pastor Tim's wife, knows because he, she's in finance. Without the company making profit, you cannot sustain the company. You have to make profit so you can pay the rent, you can pay the employees, you can pay the expense. And if you have extra money, then you can actually expand your business. As a Christian, we also should do the same thing. Sometimes it's very surprising that whenever all of us who are so smart, intelligent, walking outside a church, talks about profit, and we calculate, we look up to you know, what is the latest discount in Macy, and also Lord Taylor. But somehow when you come into the church, we forget the word profitability. Mm. I'll tell you, I'll show you the verse where God talks about being profitable. Before I do that, let me tell you a little bit about James. Uh, sorry that I made the screen too small. The book of James has a very few interesting facts, since we're going to get into that. It's written by James, that's why it's called James. James is actually Jesus' younger brother. Jesus had four brothers, and one of them is James. It's written 12 years after Jesus went back to heaven, and also it is the first book among the 27 New Testament books written. It is also known as a practical teaching book. But that's not the important or interesting fact I want to share with you. The interesting fact is, even though James had the older brother who is a Messiah and the Son of God, James did not believe his older brother was Messiah when he was still here. When Jesus was doing his ministry for three and a half years and had a lot of disciples following him, younger brother James said, hmm, I don't know what he's doing. He did not believe his older brother was Messiah, just like us. Only when Jesus died on the cross and on the third day he rose again, was resurrected, then James said, Ah, he is Messiah. He is Son of God. What did I do? Maybe that's why he was the first one who wrote the Bible, the New Testament book. But anyway, I thought that was an amazing fact. And obviously, I don't see that you are surprised. <laughs> But anyway, 
I thought when I found the first time, I thought that was amazing. Really, how could he do that even though he lived in the same house? But it happens. Anyway, let's start. And so, uh, I said probability, and I told you that there is a verse that actually talks about this. Okay, it is in 1 Timothy 4.8. The good godliness is profitable for all things having promise of the life that now is and all that which is to come. By the way, I did not make a mistake there. Now is, is now, no, that's the way it is. So, becoming godly, which is what God wants us to be, godly, is profitable. Not only in heaven, but also here right now. So, we all know being profitable is a good thing, right? Well, it's good here too, not just in heaven. So we better start very quickly to become godly. And we're going to talk about how. And obviously, in 30 minutes, we can't talk about everything, but there is a way written in the book of James. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, and also, the, let's give one more thing. Um, godliness. Some of you might be confused. Really? I just scream to my kid and I I can't become godly? Or my wife might say, how can I be godly? I scream to them all the time. The godly person should be something like this. That might be the case in your household, but nonetheless, God wants us to be godly. The first Peter 1.16 said, it is written, be holy for I am holy. Me, be holy, is amazing, isn't it? How can I be holy? I'm just human. Even though it sounds like impossible, even though I don't think I deserve to be holy, God commanded us to be holy, so we have no choice. So, we have a job to do. We have to, somehow we have to become holy. Somehow we have to become godly. And then, on top of that, we're going to get problems. So, no question about the godliness, no question about the holy, because that's what he's commanding. And uh, not only he's commanding, but it is actually our job, as we're going to look at it in a few minutes. But first, let me talk about the probability. I'm sure Janice is an expert. She doesn't need an explanation, so, but some of us might need an extra explanation about profitability or profitable. So I used uh, something you might like. So the gentleman who is sitting in the mirror is named Elmo. I don't know who his friend is. The purple one on the right side, I have no idea. I thought it was a cookie monster, but someone told me his cookie monster is blue. This is purple. So anyway, that's his Elmo's friend. Uh, Elmo just started the lemonade stand, and he charged only 25 cents. And he has a lot of customers. And you can imagine, if you do this like a month, you're going to make a lot of money. Considering... One small soda cup from McDonald's is around a dollar. So 25 cents is a good price. So what did I say? Elmo has a very profitable business. At the end of the day, Elmo and his friend will make a profit. Just like us Christians. At the end of the week, at the end of the year, at the end of 20 or 30 years of a Christian life, we're supposed to make a profit and become godly. 
and become holy. I don't think I deserve to be holy, but he commanded us to be one, so do I have a choice? No. Okay, you might think, okay, the Elmo has good business, and how, who, how can anyone lose business if they do lemonade business, right? Well, I have another example. Just to excite you a little bit more, it comes from uh, Calvin Hobbes. He decided to charge $15 per cup. And of course, he had his reason, but his friend, I think her name is Nancy, explained $15 is too much. But he insisted, no, $15 is enough. But you can see at the end of the Carlton Strip that he didn't have any customer, so he didn't make any money. Not only that, he actually went to his mom for asking for the money. So even lemonade business, you can either make a profit or no profit. Same thing with Christian. You can come to church for 10 years, 20 years, no profit. Never, never becoming godly. Never, never even thinking about becoming holy. On the other hand, if you do it right, take a proper recipe or strategy or a blueprint or how to guide, you, there is a way to become godly and holy. And we'll talk about that today. The reason the book of James is a practical book because he actually gives us step-by-step recipe, guide. It's not an imagination. No, there is actually a way. And he directs us very obviously what to do. Okay, let's go to the next slide. So, again, profitable is a good thing. And uh, if you become profitable, and then you can, you can become godly. And if you become godly, you're on your way to be holy. And when you become holy, what is that? That leads to becoming like Jesus. When I heard the first time I said, because I accept Jesus when I was 27, I said, please, how can I become like Jesus? I don't know, but that's our mission. And this is the step-by-step directions. So if anyone thought that you're still saying, no, 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 I cannot be, well, you are blinded because God wants us to be. Okay, so let's talk about the godliness. What do I mean by godliness? It's not abstract. Have you ever heard about the fruit of spirit? That's what it is. You might thought, yeah, I mean, the, isn't it like a symbolic things, like a metaphor? No, it's not. It's a real thing. Yeah, how do I, how do I get that fruit? I'll show you. It is in the book of James. That's what we're studying. Well, some of you already memorized all nine of them, right? Okay, here it is. Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't think I have any of them yet. I might have a little bit chance with number three because my daughter went to college. <laughs> but other than that, I don't know. Anyway, it looks impossible. But we'll see the way and the recipe through the book of James. So, as I said, even though it looks daunting, first, number one, it's not an absurd idea. 
It is not metaphor. It is real. Number four, I know you're not tree, but you can bear them. With the help of the Holy Spirit, who is in you for those who have accepted Jesus as Savior? Uh, for those of you who have not, now we'll have a chance later. So, what did Jesus say how to get them? Okay, here is Jesus, John 15, 16. You did not choose me, I choose you, and I gave you this work. He gave us homework to bear fruit. So I'm telling you, it's not a metaphor or abstract. It's not a delusion or imagination. He gave us homework, assignment, this work, to go and produce fruit. Okay, he didn't just say this. He also told us how, which is the next slide. Okay, you heard about this. John 15, 4 and 5. Abide in me. What does that mean? We'll explain it later. Uh, read the one that I uh, underlined. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. And the next underline. He who abide in me bear much fruit. Without me, you cannot do anything. Okay, imagine this is a vine. Vine is a big trunk part of the tree. And there is a branch, small branch. You know that if the, this branch is not connected, nothing will happen on this branch. It is stupid to expect this branch not connected to the vine, bearing fruit, right? We understand this so well, but how come we don't understand this in a spiritual term? So, if you're connected to the vine, you get the nutrition, water, and you're, if you're apple tree, you get apple. If you're orange tree, you get orange. If you're not connected, we cannot expect anything. So what does this vine mean spiritually? It's Jesus and Bible, Word of God. That's it. Nothing. So he said, if you, first, you are commanded to bear fruit, and if you are abiding me, connect to the vine, my Bible, my word, my will, my promise, then you're going to bear fruit. How? That's his responsibility. Because the fruit comes by the Holy Spirit. Just because I read the Bible doesn't mean I want to have a fruit right here. No. It's going to come somehow, and it's his job. My job is just to be connected. So, I know some of you... Because I'm not a, like comedians or like actors, maybe I didn't explain vi- uh, properly visually. So for your convenience, I have a picture. Okay. So now this should finish the, my explanation, right? Okay. The vine is a Jesus and a word. Okay. Maybe I'm. Okay. And you see the branch on the top. The branch we. Those by the, uh, abiding, reading word. And then there is a fruit, the grape in this case, which is, this could be yours. So it's not complicated, but somehow we don't do this. Why? I have no idea. It's up to everyone, individual decision and options. So, I mean, the strategy and blueprint and how to is very simple. 
bind branch, I'm the branch, and just be connected. How? Just read the Bible. Just open this and quietly read them. And I don't know why it's so hard. But I can't really say that because right after I accept Jesus, to me it was hard too. But after a few years, I start reading. So I cannot blame everyone. Anyway, but at least, at least I did tell you. And I, and I know it's easier to say than doing it. But it has to start somewhere. Okay, let's go to the next one. So today, through the book of James, we're going to look at two fruit. Not all nine, two. Because the book of James only talks, the book of James chapter one only talks about two. So we're going to talk about two fruit, how to bear them. And you're going to actually see with the microscope how the process works. Uh, that's what this is about. And then number two, it is a slow process, but if you abide with the Bible, you will bear them. That's a promise. It is, as I said, one of the promise, again, from 7,487 promises. Okay, which fruit we're going to talk about today? It's uh, number four, patience. And number seven, faithfulness. Are we going to talk about this because this is very special? Every one of them is special. No, this happened to be in the book of James. That's what we're going to talk about. So we're going to talk about how to grow the fruit of patience and how to grow the fruit of faithfulness. And uh, let's go to the, your outline. Okay, now everyone has that outline that uh, you received as a part of the program. Okay, and on the right side. Okay, that's what, if you want to write down, this is where you're going to write down the answer. Okay, so the, I'm going to the, try to do this in part the three parts. Part one, part two, part three. Part one is obviously reality trial. What is a pro- trial? What is a problem? And then part two is purpose of the problem, which I kindly, uh, kind of partially explained already. And part three is the climax. How do we actually do this? This is the part where you have to do in action. Okay, part one. This is the easy one. The reality of trial. So when trial comes, it comes in many kinds. No surprise. Many kinds. Of course it comes in many, many kinds. And verse 2 said, I'm just making sure it's too, not too small. Whenever you face trial of many kinds, and if you, you can go back to your Bible later, verse 2 said many kinds. Okay, next one. So part 2. The purpose, we already kind of talked about it. Purpose is to bear the fruit. And purpose is actually to grow as Christian. Um, Here's the answer. Okay, trial develops one, faith, which is fruit of the Spirit. Verse 3 says, testing your faith produces. So whenever we have a problem, the testing is testing our faith. And that's how our faith grows slowly. Not right away. Faith. Of course, you know, when you accept Jesus, you have a small faith already. But that's going to grow even more. Number two, the B. Trial develops patience. I need one with my kid. Anyway, here is a how. Verse three said, 
produce perseverance, which is patience. So, by dealing with the problems properly, you are actually growing two fruit. One is faith, the other one is patience. So now you know that it's not an abstract metaphor, delusion. No, no, no. This is not a symbolic. This is actual fruit. You are supposed to grow because you are commanded to grow them. And many of them. So, C. Uh, this is the bonus. So, trial. Whenever you deal with the problems, whenever you endure this, you become more mature and complete and not lacking. Does it sound familiar? So you have a faith and patience, and C is you get mature and become complete, not lacking. Doesn't it sound like become like Jesus? See, something that we thought was impossible is actually happening slowly if you believe it and deal with the problem properly. There is a two way of dealing with the problem. You can either run away or know this and then wait. I usually don't like to use a difficult word, but patience in Greek meaning is when something happens, you just wait. Not run away, but wait. That's patience. So when problem comes, suffering comes, you believe that you, is this going to end soon because God is watching, and then wait until it pass away. It's called the enduring. And then your patience is going up slowly, slowly. And the faith at the same time. And at the same time, you are becoming like Jesus. So this is not an illusion. This is actually happening, and this is the recipe. If you were under the impression that no, that's not going to never happen, well, I don't know why that is happening, but I can tell you if you want to talk with me later. Okay, let's go to part three. So here, this is the climax. So when problem comes, all kinds of problems, small problem, big problem, all kinds of different problems, your job problems, your family problems, it could be financial problem, or many, many different problems. When it comes, this is how you handle it. This is the recipe that James gave to us. He received this through the Holy Spirit under the God's instruction. Okay, A... So, when trial comes first, consider joy. I know some of you say, wait, 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 wait a minute. Joy is a problem. How can you be happy? Well, let me explain. Even to very mature Christian, problem will still remain as problem. No one likes the problem. That's why it's called a problem. But you become happy and joy because after you endure the problem, you know the consequences. You know the gift. You know the fruit. So because you know what's going to come after enduring the problem, that's why you can be happy. No, you'll never be friendly with the problem. Problem is problem. Just that, uh, but think of this way. If problem doesn't come to you, you'll never mature. You'll never be godly, holy, like Jesus, because of the existence of problem, you are becoming like Jesus. 
So even though we don't like problem, without problem, none of those things would happen. So when problem comes, what are the problems? Okay, okay. I know what's going to come after this, so. Okay, you can come in now. That's why you'll be happy. Not because of problem. Okay, B. If something happens, something comes, there's a problem, then pray. Uh, you might say, well, yeah, another thing's from church. Yes, it is. But I'll give you more detail how to be more detailed prayer in C. So, when problem comes, another one. Okay. I cannot handle this. By the way, if you could handle it, then it's not a problem. Why would you call it a problem? If you cannot handle it and then yeah, there is a problem. It's time to pray. Let's go to number C. When you pray, do not doubt. Uh, it's easier to say, right? Well, God knows our mind, so he gave us a little bit of a hint how to pray in the verse 6 and 8. Let's read verse 6. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Okay, we know that. Let's go to verse 8. Such a person is double-minded and unstable. And if you read the verse a little bit longer, and that's why sometimes it doesn't get answered. So the way you pray is pray focused. Don't think about anything else. Sometimes you ask for something. God, I need $10,000. Uh, I really need this. But at the same time, you're thinking, just in case he doesn't give me, I do have a $20,000 savings. Okay. Okay, that's double-minded. God knows us. So that's why he gave us this recipe. Don't, no double-mind. Focus. Okay. As I said, it's easier said than doing it. But then again, it starts from there. I know some of you may not have accepted Jesus. That's important because everyone has a problem. As soon as we walk away from church, we could have small things, big things. But if there is a problem that you cannot deal with, so you need to pray, well, you got to have Jesus. Unless you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, you do not have the line connected between God and you. So you have to call the telephone company and open up your line. If you have decided, or if you want to, you'll have an opportunity to, do, to accept Jesus or invite him in a few minutes. So, and by the way, this prayer is not just for the first timer. If you already have accepted Jesus, fine. You can actually pray this like 100 times a day, it's fine. If you are not sure whether you accept Jesus like 20 years ago, did I? Okay, you can pray this too. So, those who never accept Jesus, or those who accepted Jesus already but not sure, or you want to reaffirm again, fine. Okay, let me, I'll uh, recite the a prayer very slowly and you can follow. But before that, the Bible says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So you can receive Jesus into your life right now, today, by praying a following prayer that I'll be praying and you can slowly follow.
Okay. It is on the screen, so you can also look at the screen. Or you can either make a sound or no sound, it doesn't matter. Okay, so you can follow. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from running my own life, and now I ask you to run it. I invite you to come into my heart and life. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you have, a, if you have prayed this, more, this prayer for the first time, first thing that will happen is Holy Spirit will come into your heart. You don't feel it because I was there. But something will start to happen. So, thank you. And let me close by praying. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's opportunity.